Podcast 18, Hospice Intake. This is going to be first in what I hope to be three or four podcasts regarding my experience with hospice. It's going to be partially educational, but mostly I'm going to talk about my experiences, especially with Donna who entered hospice three years ago this past July 18. Through my reflection, my memories, my experiences, I hope others will see what hospice and palliative care is and what it brings to both the patient and the family. I believe in hospice. I believe in palliative care. You can call me a fanboy. It works, and it works because of the people involved. There's no magic science or clinical magic here, though there is. They know what they're doing better, especially at that stage of life. It is about the people involved. These people give both the dying and the living so much hope and a sense of community and support. Because of hospice, especially those working and volunteering, we are not alone, and especially a time when we need support and care the most. They are there for us. They make this part of our life better and more bearable. First, let me talk about that neat little graphic that's below the audio file. If you're not familiar with it, that's a Google n-gram. And what Google does with an n-gram is you enter terms. You enter either words or concepts. And Google searches their 5 million books for the past 500 years and create a graph that you see. And the graph looks at the frequency of those terms over the period of time. I put in palliative, hospice, and end of life since 1995. I have links to uh, Google Ngram and defining it so you can play with it. It's a pretty neat tool. What is hospice? Hospice is a service, a clinical service that provides comfort and care for patients and families. It does not prolong life, nor hasten death. It's a specialized care to improve a patient's last days. It's team-oriented, manages symptoms, manages pain, discomfort. It offers bereavement and counseling services to families before and after a patient's death. There are approximately 4,100 hospice programs in the U.S., Puerto Rico, and Guam. And in 2012, there were 1.6 million individuals receiving hospice care. Hospice is about the patient and the family member. It is about the team and what they can bring to your life and the dying patient's life. Hospice is an entitlement under Medicare and Medicaid. It begins when two physicians certify that a patient will not respond to aggressive care and the patient has six months to live. You may live longer. Donna got a six-month diagnosis in January 2009 and did not pass away until August 2011. You may live longer, but the disease running its natural course, the patient is expected to die. That is when hospice is enacted or it's available. How long do people stay in hospice? The average length of stay in 2012 was 18.7 days. Half were longer, half were shorter. 
66% of the care was delivered primarily at home. 41% of that care was in a private residence, 17% a nursing home, 7% at a residential facility. Hospice inpatient accounted for 27%, and the remaining 6% was in acute care setting within the hospital. What is palliative care? Palliative care is not curative care. Palliative care will not eliminate your disease, will not hasten your death. Palliative care is not meant to hasten your death, nor is it meant to cure. It focuses on relieving and preventing suffering of patients. There have been recent studies that have shown patients with similar diagnosis, similar stage cancers, who received aggressive therapy or palliative care, those with palliative care had a survival advantage and a much higher quality of life. Palliative care is multidisciplinary. It includes physicians, nurses, chaplains, social workers, and psychologists. This team addresses both the physical, clinical, emotional, social, spiritual needs and concerns of the patient and the family. It is not solely focused on cure, but it's focused on care. The intake process. On July 11, 2011, Donna entered the hospital, the acute care unit, to have fluid removed from around her lungs. There were two attempts to drain the fluid. Both failed. At that point, we were offered, or Donna was offered, palliative care. Though, if you consider her diagnosis and care, since January 2009, she was receiving palliative care. But her reaction to hearing this was visceral at best, and she took a turn for the worst. I think at that point, the disease was progressing physically. She was in some pain. She had trouble walking. But this was just the final straw. It was like she knew this was not going to be a happy ending. So they began. They talked to us about palliative care. They then said, you'll have home hospice care. But the home hospice care never happened. Though I ordered the furniture, I ordered the equipment. It was here. It was set up. It ended up becoming a constant reminder every time I came home from hospice that Donna was in hospice. I think home hospice didn't happen for a combination of reasons. One was me and my support system and how much there would be to do. And the other was Donna and her clinical situation. It was tough. I think that weekend we had the discussion on a Thursday about palliative care. And then over the weekend they had switched and discussed moving her into the unit. Just at the risk of repeating myself to establish where we were emotionally and our knowledge, Donna's oncologist walks on water, and our primary care physician is damn close. The recommendation they both made of this hospice provider was just amazing. They believed in it. They knew them personally. They knew the director. They knew people there. They knew the medical director. So... Donna and I were both in mentally. I think Donna less so because she had just surrendered to her disease. And to that, I just want to add the physician from the hospice visited Donna up in the acute care unit and spent time explaining how the palliative care team is trained to deal with pain and all the associated issues. So much better than the staff in the acute care unit.
my confidence of the clinical care team was bolstered. And for me, the clinical care team ruled. They were the ones who were going to be delivering care to Donna, and I wanted to work with them because they seemed to know their stuff. Two people from the hospice, from administration, came to visit me. We ended up sitting in a busy hallway with patients and visitors and staff bustling around. And they were talking about hospice. They were talking about their hospice. I was signing papers. In truth, it felt like I was buying siding. There was no sense of me, no sense of Donna, no sense of trying to determine where we were, though I will say they were very sympathetic. Yet I was not prepared, nor did they prepare me. It was basically about getting the paperwork completed, and this is not a fault. If they don't get the paperwork completed, they won't get paid, and I understand that. Though Don and I are forces of nature, and Donna more so than, than I am, I'm not sure that negates the need to probe, to learn, to determine the knowledge landscape of the patient and the family members. And when I say a force of nature, we stepped in, we would take charge, we wanted to know, we were trying to drive the process. I mean, both of us have 25 plus years in healthcare advertising, market research, communications, medical educations. So the value of questions were not just for us to learn, but to set the moment in time, which is key. They needed to determine where I was in order to establish a baseline. Looking back, I would think they would want to ask me, what do you know about hospice and palliative care? determine where I reside in my knowledge. I'm not saying that them asking me the questions or teaching me or making me part of it is to make me a hospice team member, but to help them, help me become aware all that is there. When someone knows, when someone understands, they can interact better, they can do more. And remember, at that point, I was changing from the primary caregiver to being the primary spouse. I was moving away from caregiving and surrendering that. But that didn't change the fact that I still wanted to control, I still wanted to make sure Donna was getting the best care possible. Another thing at this time, when they were doing intake, they could have said, let's make a visit to the service. Let's go down to the unit. Share what they do, not just intake. Get a sense of the gestalt of the place and the people. And I know it's overwhelming, and maybe there are reasons to do it, because at this time, people have shut down. But I think from my sense of it, if somebody wants to do it, they end up becoming much more comfortable with what's going on, as comfortable as you can be with the reality of the situation. Looking at it another way, it's not just offer pamphlets, but real information, phone number, names, functions. You know, connect with me, connect with me in the unit early on. The reality is, once there, I had to find my way to establish my role with the staff. And to be clear, the staff were the most amazing and caring people I have ever met in my life. But here it is, a few days prior to admitting Donna, I could have been part of it. It's important that that family member gets that relationship established with the unit. There needs to be a baseline for the family and the patient if possible. 
And this baseline is what you know, what we do, who we are, where we are. You're not just thrown in this because if the average stay is 18 days, it's two and a half weeks. And it's going to take you two and a half weeks to understand what's going on through all the emotional trauma. This is the foundation to build on for the next few weeks until the end. How hard would it be to give each family member a notebook with printed information and places to take notes, ask questions, so the next meeting, which should be set up at the time of the intake, is set in place. This way, the family member can jot down things they forgot, things they remembered, things they don't know. This is about message sent and message received. It's being not just a guide for the comfort of all involved, but to shepherd the family member into an active and participatory place in hospice among the team. And when I say active, I'm not saying active where they're giving care, but active that they can rest assured that they can focus on their loved one. I learned pretty quickly who to ask what, who could help me with Donna. This is not something everyone can or will do. But don't we owe it to the family to make them active participants as best as we can? And again, it's active participants with the person who's dying. Have them be able to have that end of life time the most valuable possible. Crap, I've been a caregiver for two and a half years. That is my role, one that I cherished. Though it was exhausting. And now, here is a team that would allow me to move from active day-to-day caregiving to becoming active in my last days with Donna, active as her husband, active as somebody who loved her. Perhaps that is the message at intake. Have intake explain you are moving from caregiver to partner. We will do the care with your help, but now you can focus on the goodbye, the love, the comfort, the future. Again, Many hospices may do this. Maybe this hospice did it. We'll talk a little bit more about being on the unit next week. Once Donna was on the unit, I availed myself of anyone and everyone while managing her care as best as I could. That was just who I was. I wanted to be in control. But the takeaway I'd like to pass on to you is that the family member is becoming less of a day-to-day caregiver in hospice and is moving to be the spouse, the son, the daughter, the parent. And in doing that, they are taking on a new role. They are becoming the person they want to be. They're returning to where they started with this loved one. But that role and that ability to do that has to begin at intake. For instance, Donna and I had a dog. It wasn't until she was in the hospice unit for, I don't know, five days that I learned that I could bring the dog in. And by that time, she was slipping in and out of consciousness. So it was a moot point. I guess what I want to say was, in the end, hospice saved my life. And I think it can save everybody's life if they avail themselves of it. This was an amazing unit. These were amazing people. They did an amazing job. And we'll talk more about it. Again, thank you for listening. I look forward to your questions and comments. Thank you.